Hello, everybody. We are back online with yet another myth-busting episode. Joe, myth are you excited? Three. Let's do it. Myth number three. What's okay. next? So I have to say this myth is very prevalent. It's like a huge elephant in the room for a lot, a lot of coaches, especially coaches who consider themselves to be heart-centered, spiritually minded. And I'm not just saying religious, you could be, you know, faith-based Christian, or you can be a tarot card reader or an astrologer or somebody who believes in the universe and a higher power, whatever your beliefs are. There's a lot of us out there, and I count myself and Joe as, as part of this group, who are really there to serve people. And we're now doing this because that's the shortcut or that's the fastest path to a lot of money. There are other paths that are much faster, like, you know, ClickBank, and you can like be selling supplements for all kinds of different things with funnels. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying like, it's not that I don't have other options, nor does Joe. It's we're choosing this. And when we choose this, a couple of things happen. One is a lot of, I've seen this. I don't know if you've seen this, Joe, but a lot of spiritually minded coaches just get into so much trouble when it comes to charging for their services. Yes. So much trouble and it can manifest in so many different ways. It could be clients. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten emails to my astrology email that said somebody found me and they say, well, you know, Lisa, I really, really, really need this. I really need this astrology session, but I can't afford, uh, I can't afford to pay. So why don't you just give it for free? And I don't do that, but I know a lot of coaches who do that or they give them a price break or they lower their prices. And then, you know, it just feels so icky because they just got, for lack of a better word, taken advantage of. And yet there's something in the coach's mindset that says, well, this is spiritual work, especially if they're doing spiritually related work. Maybe it's not appropriate. It's not right to charge money for this. Yes. And what do you say? Yeah. Even if, even if it's not spiritual work, if they're just spiritually minded and they really are service-based, like you said, I think the key is when you say, I actually believe that it's, it's, I didn't actually choose it. And many people, it didn't choose it. It chose me. And when you feel like you're called to do work, when you feel like you have a purpose that you were put on this planet to do, um, there can very easily be this disconnect that comes because you're thinking, well, wait, I would do this anyway. I'm called to do it. And separately, you know, how do I just exclude people? And I think that's where it really comes in. It's like, I'm excluding by increasing my prices. What I have found, and I've worked with so many master enrollers, people amazing in sales, and I'll just count myself in this group, like, you know, selling another company's product or services. I had that mastered. When I really got focused on what I'm called to do and focused on what I'm going to serve and what I already serve people with and will always serve family and friends and people I know, it's harder. It's harder when you're talking about yourself, even for a master enroller, when you're saying, oh, gosh, and I can relate a kind of in a different way. I have so many experiences of people that will, will, would call and reach out to me and say, boy, Joe, I just really appreciate your support. I really appreciate your help. I just am so glad. I, I, someday I hope I can afford you. Mm. I can't wait until I can afford you. Often people would say that and they hadn't even asked me what it cost yet. So they already had it in their head. So their story in their head was already there, which kind of led to me thinking like, okay, well, that's, that's feedback. I need to realize that I, I can't charge too much. Of course, it's nonsense. 
And I've broken through that. And I love it because as a coach, you just get to be one step ahead, one chapter ahead. And I just, I just know that that's nonsense. And, it's, and that price is a signal. You and I have talked about this a lot. Price is a signal. And often we think that just by lowering the price, we're sending the signal, I'm accessible, and it's not true. We actually are missing out on some people that can be very, very impacted by what we offer when we actually lower our price. So there's so much to unpack here, so much to unpack here. And I know we're just going to spend a lot of time in this in our challenge. I love that. And you know, this is why as we started looking at who we were working with and what some of our own challenges were, and we spoke about this on Wednesday, we realized that we were really called to work with other spiritually minded coaches, not just, you know, any coach, but somebody who is specifically struggling with this issue, which is why we ended up tweaking the messaging on our seven day challenge, which is launching next Thursday, July 9th. And it is for any spiritually minded coach, well, category queen. So we have like a group of female coaches who are looking to break through their price ceiling, to break through that price ceiling of whatever they're being limited to, whether believing that their market can bear high prices, whether believing if they're doing spiritual work, whether believing that they can possibly charge more for spiritual stuff or they're spiritually minded and they just don't want to be seen as that materialistic person who is, you know, trying to monetize and take advantage of people. And it's really interesting that that is that, like, we're realizing that that is a big challenge. And I actually want to ask you first, first of all, if you guys are interested, go ahead and sign up to the challenge. I'll drop the link in the comments here, but it's www.thecategoryqueenchallenge.com. And Joe and I will do so much more training around this specific issue and other issues to help you really understand how to break through the price ceiling. But Joe, another thing that is out there that I want you to opine on is I've seen this from so many big names in the coaching space who perpetuate this myth that, well, you know, if you have trouble selling, especially raising your prices, then the only thing you have to do or the, the thing that you have to work on is your confidence. And when you increase your confidence and your leadership, then that would be sufficient. In my experience, that's actually not the full picture. It is helpful for sure. And it is very, very powerful. But is it sufficient or is there something else behind the scenes? Jim? Yeah, I love you. I love you saying that because that is often the case. And what happens is when people hear that, they think, okay, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. And if they don't get there, it's this guilt and shame that I must not have enough self-worth. I must not have enough confidence. Certainly that's part of it. I think often it's first to having a full assessment and making sure that we fully understand the value we bring. That is so important. And that yes, you are worthy and you are deserving, but it's so much more. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so much more. And I think as you detach yourself from that, when you look at it like an entity, like it was a business, and that's the work I do, is to really say, okay, how would you treat this if you weren't emotionally attached, if it wasn't you personally? Look at what's actually provided. The more you understand the client that you're serving, what the value they get from it, and what it is that you're offering. And that's the work that we're going to do. So to really dig deep and really understand the extreme value. And it's not about the time you're spending with them. It's not about the information you're sharing. It's about the problem you're solving and how they feel and where they get to on the other side. That is so important. Yeah. And I have seen that framed as a service, you know, that what you're doing is actually a service and you're serving the work, you're serving the work. And that was really helpful to me because I, you know, 
I have never had a problem charging money for something that I've produced as a result. I was highly, highly prolific in the tech world. I, you know, had a very, very nice income working for companies and I helping them design products and launch products. And even when I became a consultant, like in between jobs and tech, I would have no issue like getting paid tens of thousands of dollars for specific things that I would deliver because I did not see what I was selling as me. I was not selling me. I was selling something right. that I saw separate from me. And that's a mind trick that I've actually learned that's helped me a lot. And actually our partnership has propelled that to an even higher level because it abstracts it from my persona even more. The way I think about it, it's not a sales only issue. It's not a sales only challenge. It's actually a business model challenge and an offer construction challenge because if your business model and if your offer is constructed in a thoughtful way, then you can start seeing how there is, how you're actually employed, you're working for yourself, but you're employed in this company that has a business model, that has an offer, that has something of value. And then you are acting as the CEO or the VP of sales or somebody else who's the custodian of that business, who's the custodian of that offer. And your job is to not just go out there and sell it, but your job is to also protect its interests and make sure that it survives long-term, that his legs underneath it to grow and to be impactful in the world. And that only comes when there's an equal exchange of value or not an equal meaning like Obviously, you're always providing a ton more value, but that you actually see the value and you're able to assess it and that you see that what you're charging for it is actually a great deal and it's feeding your business, it is feeding your offer, it is feeding your mission and your work in the world. So the more layers of abstraction you can put between yourself and your work, like a partnership, like for example, I cannot just go and give our work away for free, Joe, even if somebody guilt trips the hell out of me, because I'm accountable to you. You know, that's like, yeah. that's saying, okay, Joe, we're in the charity, we're in the charity business. We're not in the coaching business. Yeah, and I love Let's that just give everyone, away all our stuff. Everyone can apply that immediately and think to themselves, who's my partner in my business? And if you're a solopreneur, if you're doing it by yourself, you still can, can put yourself in that framework. That's what you're describing. Even if it's just your partner or your spouse or someone your else. Family. But also, but also just yourself, like separate yourself. We just had a coaching call the other day with people actually that you and I work with in the program. And I was talking about like, always think about like, if you were a big company and you had VPs of every major area of your company, Make sure that you take those hats off when you're actually speaking to somebody about enrolling in your program, that you're acting exactly the way the employee you'll have in your company someday, if you grow big, that you would want them to respond. And by nature, that will detach yourself from feeling so personally attached to what you're giving away, even if you would choose. The great thing about it, too, is you're the owner of the company. You can always choose to discount or provide a sliding scale if you want, but that is not your go-to. That is not your framework. That is not your strategy. And I think often we build it to make it accessible for the few and maybe that wouldn't be able to pay. And then we forget about the many. And that is really the way we construct the offer. So, so you know, it's interesting because that's kind of the pyramid that we work with, right, Joe? The enrollment, the enrollment is not just a function of who you are as an enroller or as a salesperson and what your confidence is it really builds on the layer underneath, which is like a well-designed, well-constructed offer. And that builds on the layer underneath, which is a very 
in-depth understanding of the customer avatar. And sometimes people get confused about the customer avatars. One of those concepts that's out there that people think they know what it means, but a lot of times when they start actually selling, they understand or they don't understand. They kind of see the symptom of like, uh-oh, my offer is not landing and they take it personally. It must be me. I'm not a good salesperson. They don't like me. They don't like what I have to offer. They don't like my gifts. And then it becomes really hard to separate. But if you separate the offer and your work from yourself, you can go back to the offer and say, okay, well, let's see what's working here and what's not working here. And let's tweak the offer. Let's make it even more valuable. Let's make it even more relevant. Let's make it even more on point for what the person is looking to uh, do. So how do you see that? I mean, I've seen this being very challenging for people because as the symptom occurs, they take it personally. Yes. Go back down and look at the customer avatar or the offer. They just get discouraged. Then a lot of them give up. Yeah, and I would say that even when you're talking about the customer avatar and the offer and construction, that's some heady things. And a lot of people that will come into our challenge, that's heady, meaning that that's even like, they're, they're like, wow, I'm living in a world of just like, here's what I'm charging, here's what I'm giving, and I don't think I can charge more. And so for me, I just like to always simplify it. And like that, I think it's really just really separating yourself, like you said, and then really taking a look at the value. I think that's where I would start. And then certainly as we get into the details, we can really talk about what we're talking about when we say offer construction and how you build it. But what it really comes down to is what is the value? What is the value? And sometimes people don't really fully understand the value they're providing. And a great way to do that is to ask people you've already done it with or in an objective way and really just try to dig in. And you see the same words keep coming up over and over again. And you see that the, the impact and the change that it made. But then the other thing is I would say is just be willing to experiment and to try and to up-level every step of the way. I have a client who literally less than six months ago was wondering how she could go from free to charging anything and charge $200 the first time. And so for me, sometimes it's start somewhere. And even though we both knew that it was worth much more than $200, it was like, I gave her permission just to start somewhere. She is now charging $1,200. And it's only because every time she talked to somebody, she up-leveled it and tried it. And she's got satisfied clients She's also worth more now. That's the other thing. As mm. you up-level your game and what you're offering, you're up-leveling yourself to bring into it. You know, we both know Chris Smith. I love Chris Smith. He's a great guy. And he is great at helping people really be very clear about what their story is. And he gets paid $30,000 a day to work with CEOs of companies to do that. And when invariably, when he speaks to audiences, some people will say, because he talks about when he first started, the first time he actually said, I was going to charge $3,000 to one CEO to spend a day. And he was very nervous that there was no way he was worth that and that there is no way the guy was going to pay it, even if he was worth it. He kind of got over the self-worth conversation like you were talking about, but then he was like, okay, I believe I'm worth it. There's no way he's going to pay that. Of course he did, and he's up-leveled ever since, and now he's charging 30000 But invariably, I've been there before where people raise their hand in the audience and are like, well, first off, I just want to say I wish I would have known you then. I would pay but I love his answer. You know what Chris says to that? He says, no, you don't, because I was only worth 3000 then, and now I'm worth 30000 Do you realize that by raising our worth and our value that we're actually up-leveling ourselves too, and then meeting our client, always surpassing our clients, but then we continue to go. We're providing that value. 
And it's a very analogous to climbing, actually, you know, like I'm a climber and we actually work with some companies that do climbing and training for climbing. And the thing about that is like, it's an interesting balance. You never want to be in your comfort zone because if you're in your comfort zone, you don't grow. <laughs> and so being outside of your comfort zone sometimes feels vulnerable because it feels like, well, I haven't done this you'll have a first client, like we've, we've all had like our first client, you'll have your first program, you'll have your first VAP day, you'll have your first this, you'll have your first that. And it's, it's interesting because anytime you move on to the next thing that you're going to be pioneering, then your company is going to grow and then the challenges are going to be different. So you're going to be, you know, the first time you cross this threshold of revenue, the first time you cross that threshold of revenue, it's like you're always going where you haven't been before. <laughs> so unless you want to play it safe, which honestly just means you got to work for somebody else, you got to be an employee because that's what it means to be someplace where you've been before. Because if you're just growing all the time, that's kind of the reality of it. You're constantly pushing that edge of comfort. And so right now, I'm sure for Chris Smith, the edge of comfort is, you know, at that level, but he still has it. He's not like sitting back saying, okay, well, I'm happy. I think this is what differentiates lifestyle entrepreneurs who have a side hobby from somebody who does this for a living. And I really think that's the distinction. And I, I can say that. If you're kind of dipping your toe and you want to have a nice side income that's guaranteed and everything, being an entrepreneur, being like the head of your coaching company, selling coaching services is probably not the easiest way to accomplish that. An easier way would be if you just do something that's like super passive, super like you sell somebody else's product services, you become an affiliate, or you kind of experiment with different things, or you go work for somebody who's taking all that risk and they're, you know, pushing the edge of comfort. I love that. I feel like we're called to be an entrepreneur. So you're either called to be an entrepreneur or you're not. I think some people like think, well, I like that lifestyle. I want to be an entrepreneur. That doesn't work. Those, that's the ones where you run into difficulty. If you really are called to be an entrepreneur and you really do have a service like you and I are talking about, especially if you are spiritually minded and you know it is your purpose and your calling. Okay, so then that's a different story. So you're in and now you get to make sure you serve. The other thing I wanted to point out is that if, if you really want to serve many, many people, and if you really want to always be able to serve people that can't afford you, the way to do that is to charge what you're worth for those that can afford it so that you can be more altruistic and philanthropic, whatever it is that you want to do in this world, you can spread incredible abundance, but don't do it in the middle of your business, in your business, in your business, you get to be a CEO and you get to act accordingly. And I also want to qualify this a little bit. I want to qualify that you get to charge what your offer is worth. <laughs> Because again, you know, I just want everybody to start thinking about dissociating their own personal selves from what their business model is and their offer is. 100%. And, and the fact is, you're not thinking about like, oh my God, when you're freaking out about the price of your offer, you're only looking at half of the picture because the other half of the picture is you have to be very aware and you have to be very intentional about the value that you stack in that offer. Because here's the thing. Okay, I'll do a very quick example. So 
Joe, like, would you pay, I have like an old ring here. You know, I found it at a secondhand market, like at a farmer's market. It belonged to somebody. I don't know. I think I paid like 10 bucks for it. Would you pay like $50 for it? And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm taking advantage of Joe. Okay, Joe, like, would you pay 50 bucks for a $10 ring? Yeah. No. Okay. Hold that. Now. Especially when it sounds like it's old and junky. Yes, exactly. And I, in my mind, think it's worth $10. But then if I told you, and this actually happened, not to me, but to actually an actual person in England, she sent it to be evaluated because one of the times when she was grocery shopping, somebody kind of looked at it really intently and weirdly and wanted to know more about the ring. And it turns out it was a diamond ring that was cut in an unusual shape. And it was actually from the 19th century and belonged to a royal family. And so all of a sudden that ring was appraised at a million pounds. Now, the ring was worth a million pounds. I thought it was worth $10. You wouldn't have paid $50 for it. But would you have gotten a great deal if you had paid $50 for it? Yeah, I love that. What's the best way to know what something's worth is what somebody's willing to pay for it. And I think we get to do that with our own. And I love what you drew us back to. It's what is it that we're providing? Is it worth? And I think often we use an excuses to not go there. And the best way to find that out is to test it and to ask and to see. And then we'll actually see that there's much more worth there than we realize. That's huge. Absolutely. Send your rings to the evaluator. And how do you do that? When the offer construction phase, you actually go and figure out what are the pieces of your offer that are most desirable, that are most needed, that are most required. What are the pieces of the offer that you can include so that you actually make the value of your ring, the value of your offer, transparent and visible to everybody? So now when you go to Joe and you say, well, Joe, I have a million dollar ring. Look, it's obvious, million dollars. And I feel great because I'm actually going to sell it to you or give it to you for half a million dollars or like $100,000. Now, all of a sudden, Joe, are you feeling like you're getting a great deal? Are you kidding? For 100000 I will come up with the money tomorrow. Yes, because he sees the value that it's really worth a million dollars and that this value is actually, he agrees with it. It's not something that you pull up out of thin air and you slap a price on it and say, okay, this is how much the value is. No, offer construction, the offer construction is a very important step in giving you the confidence in your offer because you're really taking the steps that we just described, going to the evaluator, going through the steps that actually validate every single piece you're putting in the offer so that when you go out there and you're saying, well, you know, I know $100,000 seems a lot. And if I were only to look at $100,000 and if I were to say, oh my God, I'm going to be asking Joe to pay me $100,000. How much confidence do I need to muster for him to just hand me over that money? Right? A lot. And I'd be like, well, you know, that's a lot of money for what I can offer. Yeah, I think that's but great. But then if you I look at the like, value side of the equation, then you're like, hold on a second. It's worth a million. Totally. It's a great deal. Yeah, I love it. So I think I love that we're, we're busting this myth. And what I, what I realized is there's like some mini myths that I want to just kind of presence right now and, and bust as well. The first is that, hey, you don't understand my situation. It's different than everybody else. You know, mine is unique. Nope, it's not true. Everybody, even the ones we talk about, people that have been, whenever you're up leveling, you're going to new ground, it's, it's unknown territory. So you're not alone. The second is this seems very complicated. Maybe this is like, I don't know if I can do all this, whatever. There is a process and it is simple. 
It is not always easy, but it is simple. It's it, it not easy because you have to like trust the process. You have to put yourself into it and you have to insert in, you know, and remove some limiting beliefs perhaps that you have, but there's a process and it works and we can take you through it. The third, I would say what I'm thinking is that sometimes it is true. It is true that you have confidence in yourself and your offer and it doesn't land. There's another component and that's another thing that is a process that will walk people through. And that is that, are you talking to the right people? And do you, have you really clearly defined who it is? So when all three of those come together and it can happen, often and grow your business by all of those three coming together. And that is that you really fully understand who it is you're serving. Because by the way, back to your original story about the ring, even with all that information you just gave, if you talk to the wrong person, they're still going to like, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. I don't, I don't want it. And they're right. out. You're not talking to the right people because you don't understand who it is that is benefiting. Yeah. And on top of it, what is happening is that let's say you take that ring to somebody who is, not at all into jewelry. They have no interest in history. And then you're like, well, buy this ring for a hundred, you know, it's possible to sell for a million, but then you have to like do the actual work. If they're not going to be able to flip it immediately, if they're going to hold it, they have to be able to value and be interested in it. But somebody who is interested in, you know, antique jewelry or somebody who wants to get engaged or whatever, and wants to have like an amazing engagement ring, that person is already looking for a piece of jewelry. <laughs> and let me just say it, like it, it happens sometimes that we so want to serve people that really need support that sometimes we call in people that only want support and want, you know, we have to own up to that. That's part of this process. And so part of what, what we take people through in the steps is being very clear about who it is that is really benefiting. It could be that we're speaking mostly to people that don't see as much of a benefit as this whole other set of people that see tremendous value. And if we keep talking over and over again to the people that don't really see the full benefit, we're going to have these beliefs come into our head because we're going to hear it every day. Yes, but, yes, but, I don't. And so part of it is making sure that you're talking to the right people, getting the right feedback. The key though is by shifting and following a process, you can up level, you actually can up level the amount you're charging and at the same time bring in more clients and actually work with your ideal client more often. Like how amazing is that? And it is possible. And I have to say, sometimes when you start out, you don't know who your ideal client is. It's a little bit of a process of trial and error. And there's some ways to go about it that we teach. And that's why you get to join our challenge, www.thecategoryqueenchallenge.com. I put the link in the comment section. And this is really a process, guys. And there's nothing to be afraid of. You're not a unique scenario in the world. No matter what type of coach you are, no, no matter what the fears that you're experiencing are, and just know this, as a spiritually minded coach, you'll understand this. The universe, higher power, doesn't instill in you a desire to do something without giving you a way to actually accomplish it. So, and we have to trust and take that next step. Yeah. It's a, even a step of faith is take yeah. that next step. And what a great way to do that is to take a step into this challenge. I love that you said that. It gave me chills. I'm in. Are you in, Lisa? <laughs> Absolutely. Come hang out with us. It's going to be fun, informative. You're going to bust through many more myths. So we'll see you soon. Yes, I love it. Bye.